A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon and uh, with JB in, in studio. Hello Tim. And down the line with Philip uh, as we enjoy. And I th- I really like this music and I've heard this song so much over the weekend. I thought, you know what, let's, let's have it as a, the intro music for the episode this weekend. Phil, where are you? What are you doing? Where's the TMO shipping container? Uh... TMO shipping container this week. Um, hello, hello, gentlemen. Before I say that, um, TMO shipping container is parked in uh, South Manchester, just slightly further south than where you are. But importantly, the TMO shipping container is helping to save lives. Oh wow! I, I am um, shipping I am over migrants. <laughs> I'm a hero today because Claire's working. So. Uh, by me not being there in person, it means that many people are um, having their lives saved by my wonderful, wonderful wife. This podcast single-handedly saving our NHS. Well, our NHS. <laughs> Try and get a woman in our NHS. How good is this music? You... It's ace. I really like it. Anyway. I've got to say, it's, it's a piece of music that isn't done justice on the TV. It's lovely, isn't it? It is lovely. And, uh, yeah. And I... Yeah, go on. The, the I also like the Champions Cup, uh, Champions Cup, Champions League music. Yeah, it's clearly no. what they've done. They've gone. We like the Champions League music. Can we have something like it? Well, it's please? grand, isn't it? Yeah, it's grand. So, although uh, I don't know that the, the rugby this week was very good, but it wasn't grand. There was something missing for me. Oh, I don't know. I thought this was an exceptional weekend of rugby. I really enjoyed it. I mean, there's a few bones I've got to pick, and I will. But I, on the whole, absolutely loved it. What about you, Phil? Uh, more on your side, Tim. <laughs> I loved it, and I felt it. I felt it was grand. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how I define grand. I thought this was a fantastic weekend of rugby. Um, most of the games were closely fought contests, um, and some surprises in there as well, mm. like Gloucester. I basically wrote them off. Exeter, I pretty much wrote them off. And when I saw both team sheets, I really wrote them off. And yeah. yet Gloucester put in a magnificent performance away at La Rochelle. 
and Exeter, um, which we'll get on to later, they won. Ultimately, they were successful with a much weakened team. So, fair play. Well, something about the rugby this week spurred me on to make a decision. So, if you don't mind, boys, I want to lead off with a bit of personal news, if that's okay. Hmm. So, I've made the decision, finally, that after, what, 10 years of doing this, I think I'm going to stop podcasting. And I think I'm wow. going to say... It's going to be over by the World Cup. So I'm going to run to the World Cup, and for me, that is going to be the finish. Now, there's many reasons for this, but mostly is they've taken rugby away from us. Ugh, I was trying to get excited about, about these games. I mean, these games should be mega by all accounts. These should be great, great games. I just couldn't care less. I mean, I've tried for weeks to care about the games. I just can't. So I'm going to... We're going to give it a go, see if we can rekindle some love for this sport running up to the World Cup. We'll see what the law changes bring. We'll see if I'm able to play rugby realistically in Wales. But if not, I think that's it for me. I think I'm, um, I think I'm going to uh, call it a day after the World Cup because I, I'm so negative on the sport. I don't even think it'll be played in five years' time. Why don't you get a start on that and just, just stop tweeting? Do no. that. Well, on the on the on the tweeting. I have made a decision. On my way to quitting after the World Cup, I'm going to burn every single bridge that right. I've ever, ever made. Right. And actually, I've got one to burn today, hopefully, regarding Newcastle Falcons. And I'm looking forward to that. Okay. So everything which I didn't want to say in the past, I'm now free to say because I have absolutely well, no interest in staying in this game. Don't take, or, me, don't take me down with you. Or half, or half the people involved with it. Jay, you mean you've been holding back in the past, Jay? Oh, there is so much stuff I'd like to say, which I can now say going up to the World Cup. And there'll be no holding back because I don't really want to be around here anymore. Well, just well, I don't need, this is this is for another time, but um, so you, you've opened the door. I'm just going to walk through it. Uh, there's like people that, what, what is, have conversations with people that you know and whose opinion you care about. Just the people, people you don't know and, or, or don't, care about what their opinion are just leave them to it no no <laughs> that'd be too logical no i'm, I'm wading into everything now you, you know a, a twitter thing a twitter thing which actually did make me angry a few weeks ago or actually a few days ago and it just shows how awful what happens on there is was wasps think about this right think about extra chiefs and how much money they've invested into their stadium and how hard they have worked to become Exeter Chiefs, and how they used to be everyone's second favourite team, right? That club and their management and that community put everything into that club. And for the last, what, three, four years, they've been getting nothing but grief and abuse. Um, just the kitchen sink thrown at them, to the point now that I actually think that the stink that was made over their so-called racism, which was nothing of the sort, has actually stuck with them. They've still not filled out that stadium, which they built at huge expense. And before Wasps went bankrupt, one of the things that they spent their money on wasn't their staff or their players or their ground or their debt or anything that they should have done. It was employing a diversity, equity and inclusion company ostensibly just to trash the reputation of Exeter. So, you know, when you say, like, it doesn't matter, this Twitter stuff doesn't matter, it actually did matter. It cost people money from Wasps, and it helped it helped heap loads and loads of scorn upon what is a great club down in Exeter. And these things do have real consequences. 
Yeah, I, I think there is probably some uh, some valid points in there. Um, mm. Whether targeting or responding to individual idiots or explicitly calling individual people idiots um, rectifies that situation, makes it better or worse. I'm not entirely, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm no, 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 no. Please, sure. please separate out what separate out me having fun and the seriousness of that. Uh, you know, I had Danny Cipriani on my uh, timeline th- this week. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think honestly, in the future. Uh, I've already come to this conclusion myself, and and as you as you might notice, if you ever look at my Twitter account, which I don't think anyone will do, because I, I don't I don't use it, mm. and uh, it's because I thought I actually thought about the sixty year old me with my head in my hands, going, "What the was I doing? What is the point?" Well, after rugby's finished, I've got a I've got a family, I've got a wife, I've got friends, I've got things I want to achieve, I've got things I want to do, and that is and having an argument with. John one two seven four six five is not is not high on my list, but hey, yeah, yeah but argument with Danny Cipriani is well worth it. Oh, okay, well worth it. Okay, um, well, hey, let me give you a, a positive thing about the rugby this weekend, and I'm looking yes. at rug- rugby inside line here. The attendances for the eight round of sixteen games in the Champions Cup. I mean, it, it tells a tale actually that the three English clubs who hosted games had the fewest supporters. Leicester with. Uh, just under thirteen thousand. Exeter with Jeez. ten and a half. Saracens with nine and a half. Uh, but Leinster, fifty-two thousand. Stormers, thirty-three and a half thousand. Toulouse, thirty-two thousand. The Sharks, twenty-eight thousand. La Rochelle uh, sold out sixteen thousand. That tells a pretty rosy picture. Tell me the picture you're seeing there. I'm seeing that there was some big occasions, and all of those games, really, all of the Champions Cup games. I mean, Sharks actually. Um, oh no, it was Stormers that hammered, hammered Quins, wasn't it? Um, they were all good competitive games. What do you see from that? From those numbers, Phil? Um, I've not looked at them in any detail, but there's some good numbers there. Um, the Sharks one. Uh, it was Sharks. Yeah, it shocks. That yeah. did you did you say twenty eight thousand, Tim? Yeah, that seems heavy for what it really was. I, <laughs> I was I was watching that game. And it's a stadium I've been to, and it is a massive. It's a fifty thousand seater stadium. It didn't look half full to me. Okay, although although you can never really truly tell because you only ever get a fraction of the, yeah, the picture. But the, there are some good numbers there. Yeah. Um, now I didn't disagree. There are some good numbers. But the good numbers do tend to correspond with the strong leagues and the good teams. And I think one of the things which really worried me, and this is kind of what set me off on Friday night, was listening to BT Sport. And they were saying, this is a great European event, this, you know, the, the mists of a Friday night. And I'm thinking, I should be so excited for this. And it's not, it's nothing to do with the broadcast. I mean, they, they haven't added, sorry, they haven't taken anything away from the experience. But when it panned over to one of the Leicester lineouts, all of the stand was empty. All of it. This is Leicester Tigers, you know. Well, yeah, I, I did say I think it it, it pro- probably tells a story that the three English clubs had the had the fewest and mm. the Leicester Tigers. I mean, this is their this is them, isn't it? This is a big game, a big European game that should be a packed out Welford. I mean, if Welford Road doesn't pack out for that. What is it? Oh, for? don't a get me wrong. I, don't get me wrong. I, 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 as I say, I have bones to pick, and the the format of the competition up until this point. I have a massive issue with, and I'm pleased that there's there's noises that the format's going to be changed next year. And actually, I believe they're going to get rid of these two super pools, the two conferences, and they're going to do 
um, well, what I suggested on, on this podcast a couple of years ago, which was the uh, eight pools of three, if they insist on having 24 teams, where you just have one URC team, one premiership team and one um, top 14 team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it all depends, won't it, if the top 14 or URC or whatever, sorry, the URC, if their nations, their constituent unions would allow for that. How do you mean? Well, because you've got to allow... Well, so France and England are obviously separate unions, and they have their mm-hmm. own separate leagues, but with the URC, it's a combination of South Africa, Italy, uh, Ireland, Wales, and Scotland. Presumably, every one of those unions is going to want a guaranteed spot. So you couldn't just split it up between the URC. It'd have to be some sort of compromise, like the top-rated team from each no, union. No, it would be it would be eight of each, and they do have a they do have that now. Like so, there's a each country's top performing side will get yeah. through. So there's a Welsh Shield, I think they call I think they call it, and Cardiff or Ospreys will get that to get a guaranteed spot next year. Yeah, so that but that I, counts I for thought, five of the spaces, does it not? Well, I, I thought they'd done away with the the guaranteed qualification. They did, and then it, I'm sure it came back. It, it, it came back. So no, I don't, I don't, well, I don't understand how that changes it, though, JB. If if you have, I mean, I, I disagree with having eight Premiership teams in because I just think it dilutes yeah. the quality. I, I well, dis- there is that as well. I disagree with 24 teams, but if if they insist on 24 teams, then eight Premiership, eight top 14, eight from the URC, one of each in each pool. Because I think is what they're going to do. The top two go through to the round of 16. Yeah, so it would have to... Well, I, I guess the problem would be someone like Scotland, right? So they would say... Yeah. They would say, we definitely want one team in, but it's not fair if our second team comes second in the league uh, in the URC and don't get in because you've got to give one one place away to everyone else. Or, well, that, well, that wouldn't happen. Or, okay, or like it, they came yeah. high, they came higher than four or five of the other entrants. And but there is- so there are there are scenarios where... The unions will not be happy because they need to distribute these. Well, that, that, that's, like, that's as it is now. I think that's as it is now. Anyway, that that doesn't change what happens once you get into the Champions Cup next year. No, it's just if they will sign off on on the format. Yeah, but there is, right now there's no guarantee for per, for a nation to have any teams in. Is there not? No, because well. This this year is a good example. There are no Italian teams in the. Oh yeah, fair point. Cup. Fair point. Maybe there isn't then. Maybe there isn't. I, I think it was done away with a few years. It might yeah. have even been. Might have even been this year. No, it was done a few years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, I remember it's been there a few, a few years, years ago now. because everyone said, "Oh, it's so much more competitive this year," and then I'm sure it changed again. But I don't know. Well, no, the, the, well, the, the change. The most recent change is obviously the South African teams entering, but that hasn't led to a guaranteed spot per nation. No. I, 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 I think I think the biggest weakness, Tim, you mentioned it before, the the um, eight English teams getting in yeah. when you've only got an 11-team league or potentially, given the the rumours um, that were circulating and indeed the club statement that was officially re- released by London Irish this week, it could even be a 10-team a league, so 80% of the Premiership think, teams getting in. I think London Irish are okay. I think London Irish are okay. I think they've got their funding in place. There's just a bridge while it's going to happen. It's an American company, I believe, and all will be well. Well, that's good. Don't don't you remember when London Irish got back into the Premiership and uh, we were there in 2015, was it? For the 2016, for the first New York trip. And that was meant to be one of the first of three or four. And they were trying to build London Irish as kind of the the, the team for Americans to adopt because of the massive Irish diaspora that there is all over, Mm -hmm. particularly northeast of the USA 
So I think I think that could be a really good fit, and it could mean they play more games in Chicago and Philadelphia and I hope you're right, New mate. York. I hope you're right. Um, Keen. Yeah, mate. Do you know what? Just I think. Oh, I, I, I can't believe I'm, I would say I would have saved this conversation for a cup of tea later. But seeing as I see, seeing as you open the door, honestly, delete Twitter, blow it up, and you'll love rugby so much more. No, I won't because it's taken away from me. I will never. That love is it. where your How? hate. That is where that, your hatred of rugby oh, is. Are you mad? Are you even not listening to the thing I've said? Did you not watch any of the rugby this weekend? Yeah, I couldn't give a shit about it. I couldn't give a shit about Twitter. <laughs> I could not give a shit about anything because I will not be playing the game that I love next year. That's all I care about. Okay. You must not listen, listen to a thing. I don't care about Twitter. Nothing I said has got anything to do with Twitter. Everything you said has got so, so, something, something to do what? with Twitter. When I come back to do whatever I'm doing next year, if I do play again next year in Wales, I'll still be bitter that my club, which we've built for five years, will be missing its DOR, five senior players at least, and a, you know, a good hand, handful of players. I'll still be absolutely livid that Lancashire, we're, t- we're talking about technical areas rather than the five walkover games. I'm absolutely raging that I'm meant to be here promoting a professional game, which I've loved for so long, which I'm not allowed to play. I'm not allowed to play, play, play those rules. That's the important part. Twitter's got nothing to do with it. No, I just mean, I, what I meant by that is it's really not helping your mental state. Uh, How do you know that? Mate, How it, could you it's self-evident know? you haven't said a single nice thing about rugby on a rugby podcast that you've been on for but, 15 minutes now. And how do you know that is to do with Twitter? It's got nothing to do with Twitter. It's got everything to do with not being engaged no, in rugby. I, I, wasn't saying, I wasn't saying it was cause and effect. I was saying it would help. It would, it would help. It'd make no difference. It would give you some distance. It'd make n- no difference. The it, only distance... Like, go, is- go, 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 f- go and enjoy some countryside. Go and find something. Go and do CrossFit and, and, and then just watch the games and enjoy the games. But I don't want to enjoy... You're, you're missing the point. When I watch you- a game of rugby now, right, what you used to be able to do is watch a game of rugby and think, that's great. I can now go and do that with my friends on the weekend, and you can't do that. that. I understand And that. that's why you can't enjoy it. I, 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 share, your fr- I share your frustration of that. Um, okay, well, let's try and compartmentalise the, the the rugby on the field, and I'm I'm happy to talk about the other issues. I just I just don't think it's that constructive to to bleed that issue into every conversation about the rugby on the field. All I'm saying, right? All I said at the start of the podcast it, is it was difficult to get excited excited about it. Yeah. But look, happy to talk about the things that I saw because some of it was really good. Yeah. Should we? Yeah. Should we? Should we? Try and talk about some positives in in the rugby on the field well, this week. Uh, for, we, we've already mentioned Exeter Chiefs, and that was absolutely dynamite. That was something very, very special. And, and I imagine there's a lot of people in Devon this evening who are thinking that is right up there with winning the Champions Cup, with winning the Premiership, in terms of games they've gone and watched their, their side play. Now, in terms of the overall game, as a neutral, it was remarkable. It was an absolutely crackers game. From uh, me, I said last week, I thought Montpellier would win easily based on Exeter's current form. Mm-hmm. Then I saw the team and saw Tom Wyatt and O'Brien and O'Loughlin and Beckinsale and uh, Frost and Street and um, the young Jenkins and Tashunza and just thought, Montpellier are going to walk this. And then two tries in... 15 minutes maybe yep and I, everything that i thought before the game was absolutely confirmed <laughs> and then exeter started doing exeter things and started grinding their way 
suffocating Montpellier and coming back into it bit by bit. And it turned out to be an absolutely brilliant game. So um, I've got to, I'm going to have to disagree with you here about, I mean, I thought Montpellier would win. I didn't think they'd have it all their own way. And the reason I thought that is Montpellier or the, uh, what's it, like the, like the dog that never barked when it comes to um, Europe, they seem to have catastrophe after catastrophe. Like, I remember them beating... Have they, did they get beat by Ospreys? And they've been beaten by Edinburgh of late. I'm sure um, I'm sure Exeter have beat, beaten them more, once or twice before. I just seem to think of them having this ever everlasting, ever-losing record over in Europe, despite the fact they've got some of the biggest names that the game's ever seen. And what I so I aware of all that, and that I would also say um, translates across the top fourteen historically. Yeah, and this is where I thought they might have turned a corner because um, they would it. They're, they're reigning champions, aren't they? The top fourteen. Yes. So you you think maybe they've turned a corner? They've got their barrage of stars, um, and so I, I thought they'd had enough. Uh, would more than have enough to be. A, a young and inexperienced exercise who exercise who are not playing well, um, certainly not in the league playing well, but were uh, they were um, second? They were one of the top four ranked teams. They were second in their pool, so they'd done well in Europe up to this point. So I've I've sort of looked at this slightly differently, right? Which was it's it is to a degree how ultimately very good you are at rugby, and it is to a degree how or the sort of form that you are bringing in to the competition. But another element of Europe, which you see across all these teams, is do you have pedigree in the competition? And maybe it's thing, something more like, do you have coaches that understand what it is to prepare a team? Or a team that has like an institutional knowledge of Europe? Because even the strongest teams, when they come into Europe, you remember when Toulon were absolutely loaded, it took them like three or four goes to get anywhere really mm-hmm. Saracens seem to be sort of knocking on the door e- even um, Leinster yeah when they were successful they were successful but as soon as they started sort of dropping off even they've seemed to have forgotten how to win Europe last time was yeah. 2017 maybe yeah I'm, I'm sure there probably is something in that um, uh, yeah d- Europe is different one of my favourite moments in, in this game <laughs> I've never seen anyone so unhappy about kicking a game to take, uh, kicking, making a kick to take a game to extra time. Garbisi. Garbisi. Obviously, I think what happened is someone brought on the tee and they didn't ask him first and he just wanted to be asked, is this in your range before he was told you're kicking the kick? Ah. So um, I, I assume that's what happened. And by the way, I was, um, I was watching this game from basically the tunnel at the Stonex uh, for the Saracens match. So the Saracens game was just starting and I was kind of keep if I'm honest, I was I was watching the game I was there to work on, but I was keeping very much an eye on the on the screen uh, over my left shoulder and yeah, that was that was ap- absolutely epic. But Exeter found themselves what? Were they ten points up against fourteen men with like with time running out? So it's quite remarkable that Montpellier managed to pull themselves back. And then it looked like Montpellier had done it in extra time and Again, the stones on those Exeter players, particularly as they they ballsed up. Uh, Why well, Jack Yendel like just had to walk the, the ball over the line in normal time, and the game was won, and he got white line fever and uh, completely ballsed it up. But he was the man that <laughs> delivered in the end. It was awesome, awesome. Yeah, I, it's going to be fascinating to see how this spurs on Exeter's 
domestic campaign. Now, there's probably not enough games for them to do anything with that. But this is sort of rugby that they are capable of. And again, it's it's sort of such an exitory kind of performance. Uh, the teamwork, the grinding, you know, no particular superstars. It is good to see O'Loughlin and O'Brien finally do something because they've been waiting on these boys for, well, best part of two seasons now. Mm. Mm. So there, there's there's a lot to pick out of here if you're an extra fan. Of course, it could also just be Montpellier imploding and you're going to lose next week. I don't know. Well, you from a from a Montpellier side, you got the Mercer red card um, with well, uh, what was it? Thirty-one minutes of normal time plus twenty minutes of extra time yeah. left to play, so fifty minutes um, down to fourteen men. Um, now, just just on the red card, I thought it was very, very, very soft. I thought it was a passive tackle, yes. Mercer going backwards. Hundred percent agree. Um, with with a Tishunza dip as well, so there's always see. there's always going to be a grey area where, <laughs> where where it's de- where it becomes debatable where you go or oh, some refs will give it some won't there, there will always be a grey area. I just think the calibration of where that grey area is is really off at the minute. Do you know? I, I think, yeah, yeah. I think two things on this. I think World Rugby and rugby and everybody involved with head injuries has done such a dreadful job of communicating what's causing these severe long-term consequences, which is the multitude of sub-concussive hits, as well as the concussive hits, right? They are both at play here. But the sub-concussive hits, almost certainly just as much. So you see someone like Zach Mercer, and rugby's reaction is, he has to go off. He has to go off. It's got to be a red card, change behaviours, forgetting the fact that you're still going to have thousands of sub-concussive hits every single year, and and the problem's not going to go away. Simultaneously... We have a tackle, a clear-out, um, sorry, not tackle, a crock roll on, Ru- on Ruin Ackerman, which we'll come to later, which is about as horrific as you can get. Um, and I don't know how long he's going to be out for. That's a yellow card. To me, one of them's a yellow card, one of them's a red card, and they've got it completely the wrong way around because of miscommunication and because of the wrong messaging. But there's no way, uh, I think, that... Uh, I mean, I know why it is a red card. But if you think about the danger to the players, and we say we're, we're into player welfare and danger, you know, the Ruin Ackerman event was certainly a red card. And, you know, I would be quite happy if Zach Mercer was a yellow card. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, the croc rule... If, if, if it is all about player safety, the croc rule, which is illegal um, <laughs> yeah. and, and has been illegal for a long, long period of time and is ultra, ultra dangerous. And we've seen it happen time and time again. Um, That should be um, adjudicated, refereed far, far more stringently than it is. Far more strictly. It's not, it's not at the level of gouging, but you know, when it happens like that, I mean, it's one of the the most gruesome things that you can see. It's not far off it. It's It's, horrible. It's worse, worse than a punch to the head. Oh, every time I see it, it's every time I see it, and I've seen that incident, I've seen many, many in the past, they are absolutely horrible. The ones that Jack Willis suffered, yeah. the one that there's one a few years ago um, that Jean de Villiers, um, late on his in his career, suffered, which was absolutely horrific. Reese Webb. Oh, it makes me shudder every time I think of them. Well, that's because you, you've got chocolate knees, Phil. You know, it, <clears> it really <throat> hits home for you. No, my, my knees have always been good. Oh, have they? So, Ankles, shoulders, everything else is <laughs> everything else is, is made of papier mâché. But my knees have generally been okay. Maybe if your knees, maybe if your knees gave way more, then the other joints would stand a chance. 
It's these damn strong knees <laughs> yeah. ruining, ruining everything else for me. So, some things um, like... Oh, go on, Phil. Sorry, just the, the point I was going to make, obviously the red card impacted Montpellier, um, but they had two disallowed tries oh, as no. well. So Montpellier will be looking at this and thinking, they got a red when it probably should have been a yellow, but there's two disallowed tries in there. Um, the crossing one a bit dubious. I can't even remember the other one now. I've watched so much. Uh, there was week. Elliot Stuke with the obstruction. He he, he ran into the yeah. defender that could could possibly have made a tackle, and it was stupid on Stuke's part because he stepped into him. Yeah, he didn't need to. But they they'll be looking at this thinking how much of this was Exeter winning it and how much of them was them losing it. Yeah. Um. I I would. I'm an I'm an Exeter, not um, a first choice fan, but they are like a second team, and so I think. Fair play to Exeter, particularly at the end, and particularly when we've seen they need they need the seven points, they need the win, and they grind it out. And we've seen them do it before. Mm. And for this team, who who do they have next? Guys, Stormers at Sandy Park. <laughs> Maybe they will set sell it out. That's I hope, uh, that, I hope they do. That's very cool. That that is cool. So yeah, fair play, Exeter. Yeah, things I love from this. I love the the that French teams travel with a, a fruit bowl. Really? Yeah, there was a, one of the Montpellier backroom staff had this big white fruit bowl with full of bananas and satsumas. Which when they were getting ready for extra time, he ran on with the fruit bowl. Oh, I love it. I, I just he didn't just run on with like a bag of bananas. He he ran on with a. It's so French with a proper ceramic fruit bowl love full it. of bananas. <laughs> and- <laughs> Uh, so I love that. I also um, love the. Well, I loved. I thought Curtis Langdon was great, and he lasted like m- most of the match as a front rower, which is great player. He was really great good. player. But also the Carbonell, Garbizi, and is it Coley? Um, if they if they keep those three together, they've got some proper ballers in that team. Yeah, Coley the number nine. Um, yeah, I tell you what, Langdon. So. You know, I love Langdon. I think he was up at... He's Irish, he's at Newcastle, never really got shot. Steve Diamond gave him a shot, and I think he proved him proved himself to be a very good player. Did he go to Worcester? Yeah. He did. Went, went, yeah, down, yeah. went, on, went down to Worcester. It just shows, when you give a lad uh, some real good opportunity, they can shine. Uh, I think he's done great there, and I think he's off to Northampton at the end of this year. He's going to be an absolute key man for them. He's going to be a very good Premiership player when he returns. Correct, yeah, he's at Northampton next year. Yeah. Fair yeah. play. Good player. So it's really cool. I, I, this is, so I've, I've said lots of positives, I'm just going to have a little oh, boat. Sorry, just oh, one last thing. Curtis Langdon, add it to the list. Dad, dad is a Marine. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Good. Really? Yeah, dad's a Marine. Fair Excellent. Play. Fair play. Um, the, the scheduling of these games is something they've got to sort out. Because, I, so I was working at Leinster versus Ulster, 52,000 people in the Aviva Stadium. Oh, it's pouring with rain. It was cracking. But So a game that you would want to watch, and it was on at the same time as one of the other, or the other most dramatic game of the weekend. At the same... How could you have two Champions Cup quarterfinals at the same time? Uh, are you talking about uh, so, uh, Gloucester round La Rochelle? 16, Gloucester La Rochelle, yeah. So I, I, I want to agree with you, right? I want to say, yeah, uh, this is ridiculous. How can you not find time in the weekend for eight separate kickoffs uh, between Friday and Sunday? Oh, can we? Well, how on? Do you have four on Saturday off? Yeah, like, you don't, we don't need to watch Sale Sharks play Cardiff, do we? I guess no, no, we don't. No, so that that was the bit that was missing the the nine thirty kickoff. 
It's nine thirty, nineteen thirty, seven thirty yeah. kickoff, and the five th- and, and the evening kickoff on the Sunday. They they quite they used to have like a five thirty Sunday five. evening kickoff, five o'clock kickoff on yeah. a Sunday, and they missed both of them. And instead, you had doubled up fixtures, which just meant it was like what. And it, it does make me it does make me laugh again today because it was like uh, our, our, we did our um, pre match build up for Saracens v Ospreys on. It got moved because we were meant to go straight after the extra game. It got moved to BT Sport Eight, which is basically the red button. And so you got eight. like Brian O'Driscoll's come, and Sam Warburton was meant to be there, but he was ill, so he couldn't. But so you had Brian O'Driscoll and Lawrence Delalio on the red button, which with nobody watching, wow. it just um, <laughs> this is champ. This is Champions Cup. It just well, it's so I, tin pot the, when you do it like that. I only, mean, that was just because of extra time, so that's different. Can I say the only excuse I would make for the broadcasters? Only excuse is nobody gave Gloucester a shot in hell. We thought this was going to be like yeah, yeah. a million points to I'm, five. Yeah, we were on the because um, Craig Doyle was working on the game in in Leicester, and that's what I said to him when we were just having some food before the game. I went, oh, it's all right. People will people will watch the Gloucester English England based fans will watch the Gloucester game for a few minutes. Wait till they get in pan, then they'll flick over to Leinster Ulster. Yeah, but Gloucester, boy, fair play. Boy, Gloucester are one of my favourites. I love uh, Gloucester. I mean, it's so Gloucester to gallantly lose, but. Man, they and they they will be sitting there. I w- I wouldn't have slept last night if I was George Skivington. He he it, he drilled his boys so well, so well. I mean, they dealt with lineouts particularly well, you know. And when if you've got a big team like La Rochelle, uh, and they're used to steamrolling o- over you, well, Gloucester are actually relatively well set up for this. I mean, their scrimmage ooh. their scrimmage struggled, but their lineout didn't, and they're so organised in in their mall, they can actually take it a little bit to La Rochelle. And when you watch them defend, they actually like it. They actually like those sort of narrow defensive sets which La Rochelle were giving them. So, you know, even though, man for man, they were massively overpowered, you know, I think stylistically, Gloucester were not a million, mile, million miles away from it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I was like you guys. I thought this was going to be an absolute beatdown. Uh, and I kept... I wasn't flicking across, but I was looking at the score, and I couldn't believe that um, Larishaw weren't more ahead. And then, with a few minutes to go, that Gloucester were winning. That I just—it it was totally against everything that I was expecting of that game. Yeah, the context is: a week ago, Gloucester were dreadful, losing to a fourteen-man Newcastle. And yeah, great point. They go to the champions of the Heineken Cup, and. I come away thinking, how did we not win it? Oh, I mean, but the, the guys that played well, okay, you know, imagine uttering the sentence, get me Billy Twelve Trees on the phone. You know, <laughs> Billy Twelve Trees was ace. Do, do you know who else was ace? Ben Morgan was ace. Like, these guys I, were, were meant to have retired last year, and they're still blo- bloody good. I mean, Billy Twelve Trees, actually, his performance at 10 was steady, not spectacular, but he did his job perfectly. He did exactly what was asked. Although uh, I did, it did make me laugh how static he was receiving the ball every time. So you're saying steady but not spectacular. He could be a World Cup winning fly <laughs> half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> true, true. But like, I, honestly, I'm pretty sure he didn't come forward onto one ball. He got every ball static and just passed it on. Do you know what? Fair play to him. Seb Atkinson, that's a boy. That's an absolute boy. He just re-signed, doesn't he? Has he? Good. So I've, I have I obviously didn't watch this live because I was working on the game on the other channel, but um, I've caught up with highlights and stuff, but there's quite a lot of people, and, I, and it's hard to know whether it was it's 
sour grapes because of the result, but Mike, Mike Adamson, the referee, getting quite a bit of stick. I did feel that Adamson had a loose game, but I don't think he was unfair. No, I don't think mm. he's unfair at all, actually. But there was there was like there was some real trench warfare towards the end with Gloucester holding Lavachelle out, yeah, repelling them. There was one, there's one thing that happened. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it's a knock on or something. I went against Gloucester, but you know, lots of things have got to go. <sighs> lots of things would have had to have gone wrong to really point any blame at blame at Mike Adamson. I thought he was absolutely fine. Was there loads of um, replays purely of Gloucester potential foul play by the French TV director? Was there lots of that? <laughs> no, but um, not to mention the same incident again. BT Sport did apologise because they kept on showing the Ruin Ackerman. Anything, and they had no oh, control. The, Fr- the French broadcasters yeah. did, yeah. The, the French were loving it, couldn't get enough of it. But uh, BT, <laughs> BT were not loving it. It's like, oh, we're very sorry about that. Please look away now, uh, which is understandable because it was horrible, horrible to see. Lewis Ludlow is a genuine, genuine hero. He's a genuine hero. Ludlow, yeah, Ludlow, yeah. Ludlow, good, le- good leader, isn't he? Isn't he just? Yeah, they've got some great lads over at Gloucester. So, if they'd have won this, one of the tackles of the day was Jamal Ford-Robinson on the La Rochelle hooker. It was kind of like a maul. And he was sort of about to escape. And if he escapes, he breaks the line, and it's almost certainly a try. And Jamal gets him sort of literally by his bootstraps after he's broken the tackle. Uh, an athletic dive, which, as we all know, I think the world of Jamal, I wasn't expecting him to make. And he made it. Yeah, like, there's so many good in the Didn't they do it? They, they did quite a job at scrum time as well, I gather. They did, did a job on La Rochelle. They did enough. Yeah. Did well, enough. I mean, against La Rochelle, that's great. Yeah. And and th- this might be a lesson for teams. And I think you look at Saracens this year, I'm th- focusing on the English teams, you look at Saracens and they're trying to expand their attack. They've been working on that all season. And I think, you know, it, if they go on and win the Premiership, which I expect them to do, then I think that will be behind it. Gloucester with absolutely nothing to lose and having shat the bed basically with the Premiership I think they played with from what I could tell from just highlights they played with a freedom that maybe has been lacking and actually plays to Gloucester's strengths just go for it I do wonder I do wonder if the French teams tend to be a bit too generalist what I mean by that is when you can sign anyone in the world or you know the top five I mean you can legitimately sign a top five player in every position in your team in France, if you have the money. So you can do anything, can't you? You can be a scrimmaging team, you can be a bit, bit of a running team, bit of a, you can do a bit of everything. Whereas if you look at the, the, the English teams now, they've got to choose exactly what they are. So if you're a generalist and you don't like a particular aspect of the game, you could find yourself in some pretty hot water very quickly against, um, against English teams. And I think that's what happened with Gloucester. So... One of the other things that Gloucester do really well is they move the ball with those very fast backs. Did you see Lewis Reese Zamet go around the outside of Teddy Thomas? It, you know, absolutely, absolutely incredible. So yeah, um, it's it's interesting because I wonder if I wonder if if you increase the salary cap, you would start to see like diminishing returns from every additional pound that you spent from your playing squad. I suspect you might actually. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. But, like, it still doesn't mean that a lower salary cap is better. Yeah. You know, we still want a salary cap the same as France, but I wonder if you start ratcheting it up, you start to get less value for money. Although I would say... Go on, Phil. Well, I I was going to say, 
you're probably right about the diminishing returns because and and part of that will just simply be uh, let's let's say very quickly tomorrow or uh, partway through next season they increase the salary cap back to where it was seven plus million pounds mm. all of a sudden anyone coming up for a contract negotiation is going to say well you've you've got 40 percent extra therefore i want 40 percent extra yeah. So, yeah, and if they don't spend it, then another club will go. Oh, what we can have, we can yeah. have Marutoji. Okay, yeah, we'll pay it. We'll pay you it. Well, another angle of this, right, might be if your overall spend on your play- this, sorry, this by sorry. the way, this what this, this by the way is why printing trillions of pounds uh, in the last few <laughs> years was a very bad idea, That's and, right. and people don't see the relation between that He's and gone. the rampant inflation we've now seen for the last year. Anyway, not, not now, Tim. Not now, Tim. I've got, I've got enough <laughs> on my mind. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it might manifest itself in a different way, okay? So, say if your overall spend on your rugby operations, actually, I'm going to make up a million, right? Sorry, make up a number. So, say it's like 7 million quid, all in all. But your salary cap is limited to, say, 5 million quid. You've got 2 million quid to spend on analysts, transport, uh, coaching, extra coaches. I mean, I've given you a massive budget there, but you get the point. Now, the salary cap goes up to six and a half million. Maybe you say, yeah, we'll just get the extra players in, but we'll cut all of that backup and support down to half a million. Now, at the moment, the premiership teams can spend whatever they want on coaching. And you do see some rather impressive coaching squads. I mean, if you look at what uh, Leicester Tigers have lost in Sinfield and Borthwick and uh, Alad Walters, uh, they've still got loads of coaches. Loads and loads of co- loads and loads of coaches. Look at the amount of coaches at um, Saracens churn out. So they still mm. spend a lot of money, but there's more. I I would not be surprised if you could do a ratio of pounds spent to coaches compared to your playing squad. I bet the Premiership comes up pretty high there. Yeah, mm. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure yes. you're right. Um, the Premiership teams are, are spending half what the French teams are. Yeah, they are not. They are not half as good. Uh, mm. La Rochelle are going to get found out if they carry on like this, though. They they just squeezed past against Ulster at home. They probably should have lost that game. They should have lost this one. Uh, I, I think Ronan O'Gara will be putting a, a few rockets up a few backsides this week. Yeah. Well, they've got they've got a good test next Sunday, hosting Saracens. Yeah, that's a great game. That's a great game. That's really it will good. Be. And like if you, if if they've got a weakness that. That La Rochelle team have a weakness, right? There's some boffin who has been taken off salary cap duty because they don't do that anymore and is now studying uh, La Rochelle. And, and they will find it. Um, Tim, you were at the game that was concurrent with the, the Gloucester game, Gloucester-La Rochelle. I was watching it intently. Tell me how it was in the Aviva. Uh, atmosphere was great in spite of the weather. Just... I, t- I tell you what, the I, I felt so privileged and, and lucky to be there. And it was just when you stand, I was stood in the tunnel and you just watch the Leinster team walk past. And you just go, oh yeah, yeah, I know him. I know him. Oh yeah, I know him. I'm like, oh yeah, the the whole, it's just, um, this is a, you do not get closer to international rugby in a club jersey than than that team. It is frightening how good they are. And the fact that their third team, uh, drew with the Bulls last week. Their second team would beat most teams in this competition, and their first team is absolutely incredible. And 
Ulster will go, will go away feeling like they didn't give a, a, a fair account of what they're capable of. But I just don't see anybody, even Ulster on their best day, I just I, I don't see them toppling this team that's, right now. So that's really interesting to say that. I mean, you know, thinking about it, do I know enough about these two teams? Not really. I know by reputation rather than by style. I, do, I don't watch enough of URC, so I couldn't honestly say this team's better than that team. Obviously, I know Leinster guys from Ireland, but I also know a hell of a lot of the Ulster guys. Yeah, they're great. And, and also a, a, listening to Phil talking about like some of these guys, I know that people like James Hume comes with a hell of a reputation. Balakoon, Larry, you know, all these boys uh, are going to be fairly good. Stockdale was the, was the one was the Ulsterman. I thought, oh, there's there's Stockers. Stockers is back, and, and just he could be a, an outside shout for the for the World Cup. And uh, and that's yeah. what's interesting about Ulster, and that's what was sort of the story of the game for me before, coming into it was a lot of the Ulster players were the next cab off the rank for the national team up against mm. the person who's in possession of the jersey. And that's why I thought, or that's why I believed Ulster could come and maybe cause an upset because there's just that, that little narrative and that little edge. And I thought James Hume was great. I thought Jacob Stockdale was great. A lot, a lot of the guys did lots of good things. Just as a team, it didn't quite click, did it, Phil? It didn't quite click. You, I think you're both right in exactly everything you've said up to this point that, there's that Leinster team is incredible. Even though they're missing a few bodies, they're they're still absolutely incredible. There's not many teams that would that would um, continue to function almost perfectly without Ringrose, Kalen, Doris, Johnny Sexton, um, and still be absolute quality. Mm. But Ulster aren't that far behind no, them, they're not. and Ulster have beaten them a couple of times in the last two years yeah. in the URC. Mm. But it's it's more. Ulster can beat them on any given URC Sunday, um, except for when it comes to knockout, because <laughs> Leinster play. Ulster will always play their hardest game whenever they play Leinster. Leinster will um, give a nine out of ten performance every weekend, but if when it's knockout, they will give a ten out of ten performance. And the way that they controlled this game, the way that they restricted Ulster so much and obviously the weather played a part in that but they restricted Ulster to basically two things and this is this is actually two things that I've said about the island team but it given that it's 90% the same team it, it translates pretty well to Leinster you've only really got two ways of of scoring tries against them you can uh grind out field position and eventually score a rolling wall try which was Ulster's second try the only other way that you're going to do it is by an absolute worldy try, and that was Ulster's first try. Mm. Stock, Stocker's kick and catch, doing his best and bigger impression. Incredibly fast rook to Billy Burns with the immediate crossfield right into James Hume's hand, who there is enough space out there only because the entire Leinster team have had to backtrack 30 metres and all honeypotted around the rook. That was a hell of a try. But that's about the only other way that you can break them down. Like they, Those are your two options. Now, does that mean no one can do it? No, because Toulouse can do that. Yeah, Saracens, maybe Saracens are old, maybe not Saracens of new, <laughs> can do that. La Rochelle of a couple of years ago could do that. And maybe one of the South African teams can grind them out enough to be able to do that. So but they are they're looking ominous. So before we continue with, unless you want to say anything about this game, 
Uh, also, uh, I'm just um, one just observation. Uh, James Ryan's an impressive man. He sort of I, I always I don't know why. Maybe it's because he came through and he was young and he looked like kind of like you know you know like um, uh, deers when they're just born, a sort of long and but. Matt, he he's a specimen. My yeah. goodness me, he's a specimen. Like obviously, that's an obvious thing. He's an international lock, but he's a bigger fella than I'd. Um, he's also than I'd had in my mind. I, what I like about James Ryan is that he has had a bit of adversity. So James Ryan was meant to be like the Lions' starting lock four years Ooh, ago. Like yeah. it was nailed on that this was the. He was basically Ireland's Mario Atoji. There was no stopping him. Every time he played, he won. And he didn't get anywhere near the Lions. I know who I'd take today. Yeah, and he's come back. And I think that's actually, it, it says a lot about someone, that. Mm. Yeah, and um, right. and just the only other thing I say about that, just generally chatting to um, the, the, well, I love Dan McFarland. I, I love that. I, I really like that guy. Um, but just chat, chatting to the, the Leinster people, what's impressive is you, that, and this oh, I sound so old saying this, these young men that are so eloquent and affable and... Like they're just, it's not just rugby players. They, it's not just the rugby IQ. And I think, I think Stuart Lancaster's influence on Irish rugby can and, and on Leinster cannot be underestimated. He's shaped these young men into world class rugby players. Right. Well, but but no, there, there is something to this, right? No, but what I would just just I say it's as people as well. They yeah. just seem inc- really amazing people as well as rugby players. I feel myself bristling. So, <laughs> okay. So I have noticed this with footballers too. So footballers used to be really, really stupid. Like really stupid. And I don't think they ever were stupid. I just think they were told to act stupid. So I don't know if you remember, like they were renowned for just saying nothing on TV. Yeah. Yeah. The boys gave us a bit of stick. Uh, yeah. The world class. 110% all credit to the opposition. Yeah. All credit to the opposition. Like, it, and it just went oh, round and round again. And I think... The, the higher-ups in the clubs and the branding thought, hang on a minute, no, 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 no. We used to be the stars, as in Manchester United used to be the, cl- the stars, star, but now, like, Marcus Rashford is, is a star. And I think there is a concerted effort to get these boys to sit down and sound like stars. <clears throat> I, I, sometimes I listen to these lads, and I think, yeah, they sound good, but it's also a little bit confected. It's also a little bit sort of, this is how you sound. Like... Listen to all of the American quarterbacks. They all sound like American quarterbacks. So you can get young men to basically read off a script and act like well-rounded young... Uh, you know, I mean, they're not saying they're not well-rounded young men. I just say take it with a pinch of salt because these things can be confected. Yeah, there, there is definitely some training that goes on for these boys. Yeah. Some of it sticks, some of it doesn't. But that doesn't mean they're not impressive individuals. But there is definitely some uh, preparation work. Yeah, there? The other thing is, they should be impressive in their own right, shouldn't they? I mean, I tell you who's bloody impressive. Ollie Cracknell. Uh, you know, that's the guy that's impressive. <laughs> never heard him play. Uh, never heard him speak. And I, I kind of hope I never do hear him speak because I love watching him play. And they should all be impressive in their own right because they're absolute mega athletes. And that's the standard we should be judging our rugby players on. Saying, like, I don't want to hear what a quarterback has to say about anything, really, other than the roots that his receivers run and how hard he can throw a ball I mean those are the two things that I care about but I, I do like hearing Jack Conan um, talking about how strange it was to have to put aside the fact that he, he's just built some really amazing bonds with 
the Ulster players he's been in camp with for the last couple of months, and, and then he has to go out and be be, be gladiatorial with them and it can find within those eighty minutes, which he acknowledged was just I bet yeah, that, he can't that's wait. just that's just part of that's, that's part yeah, of the yeah. job. But it's just it's just um, I don't know. Just but, but, but do you believe that? Because I don't believe that for a second. Right? I do. Yeah, I, I, do. I, I think I think it's the opposite. I think he can't wait to smash his mates up. <laughs> like they've been they've been talking trash on a WhatsApp group all week. Like he has been wait. But what does he say to cameras? You know the bonds that we have as brothers, and we're going to go out there and, and stitch them all. And you know you just got to re- remember it's your job. No, they've been on at each other all week on, on, on WhatsApp, and he can't wait to absolutely annihilate his opposite man. And the closer closer they are, the more he wants to get him. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Uh, Tim, one last question for me. Yeah. On this on this game, you were obviously there in person. Um, did you get close enough to any of the island players to? to get a, a faint whiff of stale Guinness <laughs> or, or whiskey from the celebrations the last two weeks. There, were, there was Well, all I can say is that there was... Uh, for these Heineken Cup matches, the media rooms, they pack the fridges with Heineken. You cannot move for Heineken. And um, <laughs> there were fridges all over the place and they, they were still full um, uh. after the game. So I think maybe the... The players have learnt their lesson, is all I can think. Because so, they deserved uh, a couple of them last I, night. Have I told you the reason? Have I told you the time Heineken got in, got in touch with me? And maybe why we don't have any Heineken sponsorship on, on, on this podcast? No. Heineken got in contact with me. And like, it might be over Twitter, actually, rather than an official uh, podcast email. You'll be delighted to know. I said, can we send you some beer for the Heineken Cup? Said, yeah, of course you can. Absolutely. But yeah, you, you've got a tweet about it. Anyway, open up my beer package. What was it? Fucking Heineken Zero. So um, I did take a picture of it, and I said, I will never drink this ever again. I cannot believe Heineken sent me uh, Heineken Zero. And I'm strangely, I've never heard from them since. Well, I do remember being in Japan, and basically in all the grounds, there was only two options to drink. It was either Heineken... Or it was nine percent lemon strong zero. That's that's the options you need, isn't it? I remember I, <laughs> I remember trying to sober up on Heineken. <laughs> yeah, after four strong zeros by half time, you try and try and sober up with a couple of Heineken. Yeah, get that man a Heineken. He's had forty minutes strong lemon zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've just thought uh, I've just checked the emails. Contact headchasers at gmail dot com, and there was a couple of emails that I I missed. So I'm going to just loop back quickly. I, I don't think it will take much, take up much time, but uh, Patrick is one of a few emailers we've had who's mentioned that the Exeter Montpellier game finished as a draw and was decided by most tries wins. Yes, and that that feels quite a limp way to get through to a quarter final and the dramatic shootout on yeah. kicks should be the case regardless of how the points are accumulated during the 100 minutes. I agree and disagree. The law, the rules of the competition are the rules of, of the competition. So whatever they decide to go with, I'm, I'm okay with. I mean, but I do actually think, yeah, having said that, I do also agree that the more exciting is the kickoff. But then do you want to have to load up your team with kickers? Well, also, no, but, um, so the point here is made by Max. Um... Oh no no no! Max Max Armstrong makes the point that this weekend, Mercer Simmons and Earl uh, out of favour in the England back row all looked great. Um, right, sorry, I'm going to have to interrupt you. Um, it's too late for me uh, to save rugby now. I've I've tried my entire career, but here is another one for you. Thirty-three, thirty-three, or thirty-one, thirty-one, whatever it is. We'll go into extra time. Flip a coin. If you win, you get. To decide if you're going to defend first or attack first. 
five meter center field scrum, right? And you have to defend it. Now, if the attacking team do not score, then or yeah, if they don't if they don't score, then we reset with another scrum, and the defensive team then attacks the attacking the formerly attacking side. So you take it in turns with five meter scrums. If you score, you, the second team then get another go to match it, and you carry on going until someone doesn't score. <laughs> that is such a better idea. Uh, well, the, no drop goals. The point Sam French was made. Uh, Sam French is another emailer here. He made the point that. Um, the team who scored more tries rule just doesn't seem like it suits cutting edge sport, the cutting edge sport rugby. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wants to be. The rule suggests it's decided in a boardroom of old farts with a, quote, desire to further the game. And I take the point there. It's like, well, there are... The laws of rugby are there to enable you to score points in whichever way you choose and mm. to the whole point of a score is whoever has the greater at the end of a match deserves to win. Valuing one type of score above an, above another when you have equal points at the end I think is a pretty crass way to to go and to say oh no 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 if we have to tries are more important than kicks. Yeah yeah I, I, I tend to agree with you but I, I also Think the rules, the laws are what the laws are. What the laws are, and it's very rare that they're used anyway. Yes, but you, know, you do make a good point. I think there's something very, very special about kicking your way back into contention, and then getting yourself right within touching distance as the last twenty minutes comes up, and then scoring your try. Well, and it's kind of as the point Phil made with like you know Leinster is so good. It, it, you might go into a game against. You, there are different. There, there's different ways to score points in rugby, and it's it's up to you to tactic. You talked about the coaching. You talked about Leinster being a great team that don't give away many opportunities. That's that's kind of part of the game of chess of a game of rugby. So it might be something they'd look to change going forward. But now, I, I agree, it was written down beforehand, so no one can complain now. Yeah. Now mm. there was another cup running this uh, uh, this week. Um, not as good as the Champions Cup, but certainly better than the Challenge Cup. Um, <laughs> would you would you care to guess what the cup was? I think I, I think I know it's because I know that the RFU have launched this season a new uh, that word again community cup <laughs> <laughs> community cup, which the finals are at Twickenham. I gather. Yes, they are. so this cup has come up in for all sorts of stick, and I am actually going to do something unusual. I'm going to defend the 
or a few. So, so how does it work? What's the, what's the headline of this thing? Because yes. I don't really know a lot about it. So what happens is, at the end of the season, a cup competition gets played. Now, I do not actually know how the teams get divvied up, but we are divvied up, I think, with other level seven teams of similar stature. So uh, winners of a league and people came second. Now, thinking about our our group of teams, I remember we had grasshoppers in there from London, and I played a team who I think you might have played at some point, Tim, uh, Phil. Go on. West Hartlepool. I'm not sure I ever did, you know. I, I think we were playing, we were kind of on an upward trajectory when they were on a downward trajectory. Uh, so they're one of those They're sure. one of those clubs that you that have been in the Premiership. They have been yes. in the Premiership. It was a cracking game. Who was home? We were at home. Because that's, that's a fair old track, isn't it? It must be like... An, an hour and a half drive, two hours drive. Well, they're two in, hours. they're in beaten all, yeah. all, all year. Now, I do not like making excuses. Like two Ooh. hours away. Yeah. Well, three hours on a coach. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they came on to us. Now, I have no doubt that the people, the good folk of West Hartlepool, have no idea who Disbury Talk H are because nobody <laughs> does outside of Manchester, and even well, in Manchester, they're not that well. Did no, did, did no, did no one rub your face in the dirt and say pod podcast that during the game? Well, I don't think anyone would have said anything to me until about. 60 minutes in because we were comfortably in the lead so uh, it was one of the most physical so we we were missing a lot of players but it doesn't really matter when we put our first team that is our first team it's no excuse they came down when I was talking to one of their boys outside they were missing three players but pretty much fully loaded Um, they were bloody physical bloody physical so this game just uh, it was one of the more arm wrestling games that I've had all season and it was also the most fun that I've played in all season. Because I've got no idea what these guys are, are about. They've got no idea what we're about. Um, we went up by two tries. Uh, I can't remember. Did they get another try? I'm not sure. But then they started kicking their way back into it. And that's what reminded me. Like I, We just felt that the momentum was turning. Every three points it was turning. Our back three then imploded. Eight minutes to go. We're 14 points down. We then get the try and the conversion. Uh, two minutes to go. We get back down there. Um, inexplicably, we decided to kick the ball in our in their five meter. I don't know why, but we did. Um, and we managed to gather it back, and we had another crack, and something else ridiculous happened. But we kind of let them off the hook. Is 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 my feeling? There again, they played bloody well, and to get back in the game by kicking your way in and then executing. So, so it, honestly, it was great. So it this, was great. So this is like a. So you've been pitted. There's going to be all these different levels of trophies, and you've been pitted against other level seven teams. In a say, let's say for example, top half of the level seven tables go into a hat, and you play each other. Is this why there are so many games not fulfilled? Because this has been one yeah. of the stories of this competition so far. Because you're asking lower clubs to travel two hours. Or whatever. Yeah. So, in some cases, okay, so, which I, I'm, I like the sound of this competition. Yeah. So the RFU only gave West Hartlepool something like 230 quid to help towards travel expenses, which we all know is not enough. Okay. So if they want a competition, they want to take it seriously, fund it. That, that, that's the first thing. Second thing is, I think I'd limit this competition to either teams that want to be in it. So you currently have to enter it. So all the teams that have walked over so far, they said they'd, they'd play and they decided not to. Maybe they need to think about that a little bit more carefully ne- next time. Or the one that I like is if you win your league or come second or third, then you play in the cup. It's like a reward for do, for doing well. That would make some of those games towards the end. It would be like having playoff spots. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm. It would. Because I, I think, like, if you've spent all year getting hammered and then you've got to get hammered again, just don't... I can see why you wouldn't want to do that. But having the cup at the end of the season, although it's got a lot of stick, you've got to remember, a lot of these cup games never even happened when it is mid-season. Because people say, oh, there's a cup game, I'm going to go skiing. Oh, it's a cup game, yeah, I'll, I'll book a weekend off. Like, so many cup games don't get played anyway. And a lot of teams don't get paid if they're paying players. They don't pay their players to play the cup games. So there's no point in doing it. I think at the end of the season, if this, if rugby was to exist past this season, which it won't, but if it was to exist, <laughs> um, I think the all this competition needs is a bit more kudos, a little bit more history. Uh, give it two mm. or three years, and I think this format is definitely the right one. So, sounds yeah, like I'm... the format most readily uh, there for egg chasers to take a, a big role in championing. Well, and helping, I'd love to put throw the spotlight on a couple of fixtures every what, week in this so you can competition. Watch touch, touch rugby, people doing the <laughs> doing the belly tackle. No, I'm not watching it. No, I just mean they should have called this. We yeah. should have called this. Oh, they should have, but they're stupid. They're stupid. So it sounds is cool. It is. Uh, and just on a on a kind of uh, good news tip, the Broughton Park under 15s today. It was it's great because it's Easter holidays, and this is this is why I'm so proud to be part of a team that we went from questioning whether we can keep a team going to now having 30 lads. Brilliant. Today, we had 14 lads who who could play because everyone else is away on Easter holidays. 14 lads, real mixed ability, and Stockport, who are one of the best teams in the area as well. Um, they've, got, they've got a fantastic... I think they normally have two teams. They only had 14 players as well, and they're, they're an extre- extremely good team. And um, and they and we were like, yeah, go on, let's put a game on, let's get these lads playing. So 14 aside, played a full game. Um, Broughton Park, 10 points down with 10 minutes to go. One, one, in, one in injury time, 41-38. I just thought it was... It, it, nice. Good work. And much like you talk about a lot, JB, with the set the proposition, it's, it's obviously Stockport are doing something right, we're doing something right, and... Um, yeah, there's a lot of these clubs that haven't fulfilled those fixtures this weekend because they're hanging on by their fingernails with numbers. Yep. And there are lessons you can learn for people about building a squad so that, yeah, 30 lads, we, we six, the majority of the lads couldn't make it, but still got a game of rugby on. It's good. Well, um, news coming out of Truro. They've had to, <clears throat> they've had to apologise after a video uh, of a player's penis was was accidentally posted online. <laughs> where, where, I... I uh, have you seen the original tweet? Cornwall Live are reporting, Tim. Cornwall Live are reporting. So True Rugby Club forced to apologise <laughs> after posting video of players' penis. Unfortunately, they've, they've, I need more information. Was it was it that it was a strange-looking penis? Was it? I, I can't tell you because they've decided to blur it out, which is very upsetting. How big is the blur? It's a big blur. So so the man <laughs> in question will be very happy with himself, as he should be. Well, well done, young man. Um, <laughs> I like you know. It, this is that's kind of what rugby is, guys. That that's kind of it. Uh, you might hate it, but that's kind of it. Although I guess people that only want to tackle around the belly I, would never do that kind of thing. Uh, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna search. I'll, I'll just yeah. You, <laughs> I'll leave it in my imagination. I think that's probably the, the best place. <laughs> Definitely the safest. Uh, do you remember? I was thinking um, about. Other, I was thinking of other rugby clubs that have had things that they've posted online that have backfired. There was the. Um, Although I thought it was fun. There was a rugby club, do you remember, did the human bowling on a drinking night? Yes, that was excellent. Oh, God. Launching your team, two players launching their naked teammate across a clubhouse floor. Oh, well, sorry, just on the Papa John's Cup, because I think Drew would have been playing the Cup. Um, our boys Aylesbury 
last minute win with a 14 man rolling mall against uh, against Whitney or Whitley 14 man rolling mall love it there you go good lads the dream of the cup eh yes there, um yes there have been plenty of things posted social media has not done any favors to the insular nature of rugby clubs let's put it that way <laughs> I'm just looking at my boys, seeing how Marlow got on. If they were in, involved in a cup game this weekend, they, they probably walked over knowing Marlow. Uh, no game. No, uh, maybe they're in the cup. Maybe they've decided not. Oh to no, that's the cup. that's the league. That's the. Uh, uh, no, no, well, not that I can tell. Anyway, well, um, the the other bit of um, local grassroots news is Sedgley won, and are now. Uh, they've got to win one game out of the next two games to win the league, which is good, very good. Oof. Exceptional. So who who have they got next then? I think Sheffield Tigers. Two, I think Sheffield Tigers, um, which is it's a winnable game. We'll put it that way. So um, hopefully, fingers crossed for next weekend for Sedge. A na- naked bus home from Sheffield, <laughs> would you say? Uh, I think it's at home, but it might, might do a naked bus at home, round, round the car park, round part lane. <laughs> so at Talk H, we've thought of like our coup de grace, because we're all leaving. We're going to do a bus tour for what would be a Ford's day out, because we're not going to do a pre-season because we're leaving. Um, we're going to take a bus and phone up. Well, we're going to tour all the rugby clubs that have beaten us this year. So we've got a little map. We're going to get a bus and go to go 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 for a beer in every clubhouse that, that has beaten us, then end up in um, oh, and Oldham for old times' sake, then end up in Manchester. That's nice, nice. That, awesome. That should, that should be a great day out. Like it. If you can that'll get be great it. fun. Yeah, yeah, that'll be awesome. We might even open it up to other to other tourists that want to get on our bus as we go to a, each club. Is there a club. way you can theme the drink you have based on the manner of the defeat? Uh, what just bitter? Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say if there was like, a... <laughs> yeah, you have to drink bitter. That's it. There you go. You've done it. You have to drink bitter. <laughs> yeah, we might do that. So, so we've got Widnes, we've got Aspel, Oldham. Although we haven't played Oldham this year, but you know why not? Um, who else? Who else? West Park, St Helens. So you know, it, it's a nice oh, Lee. Yeah, we've got a nice little yeah. map. And that, other than Oldham, they're all. Uh... West side um, of Manchester, nice, nice and convenient as well. Yeah, thankfully we didn't lose to, to Tarleton because that's a bit of a mission. That's going to add like two hours onto our drive. Going to the parish. Well, you, you did, JB. You did lose to West Hartlepool though. Oh sh- yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's an issue. <laughs> League defeats. League defeats. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, uh, just uh, before my phone dies of battery Martin Lewis is emailed contact Chasers at gmail.com he's an Ospreys fan very proud of his team watching them perform he is uh, and, but he, he, he makes the point that that's it that uh, that was the last time for a while that a Welsh team is going to be even remotely competitive in the Champions Cup it's sad that it's sad because I think with the Ospreys in particular their first 15 can do it they're mm. very good but then they've just got nothing underneath have they yeah and that, that is the problem, yeah. And, and Toby Booth has come out uh, this evening, subsequent to the defeat, and he's, uh, he's, as Martin points out, he's linked me to his quote where he said that the way that they'll... I mean, because the Welsh teams have signed a deal this week until 2029, the salary cap's going to be five million next year, four and a half the year after, who knows what the next year, but he says that effectively these... I mean, that is the same salary cap as an English team, in fairness, but... He said that, as far as he's concerned, it, 
the Welsh the deal that they've signed, Toby Booth said, is going to reduce Welsh teams to development sides. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And haven't we seen Lenethley Lenethley pull out of the Welsh champion Welsh Premiership, yeah. Yeah, gone. But like the, the Welsh Premiership's a weird place anyway. Like they don't really know what it is, what it stands for, what standard it's meant to be. So there's a bit of a contention a few years ago. Is the Welsh Premiership the second tier of Welsh rugby? Or is it the regional A teams? So they brought regional A teams back. Well, you know, which is it, boys? So there's always confusion in Welsh rugby as to what's what. And um, I have no interest in getting involved in that side of the sport. The odd thing with Ospreys, I was having this chat today, it would be like, for English fans, it would be like going, right, we're um, we're going to shrink the number of teams, or we're going to start a new competition, and we've got the, the East Midlands Warriors and uh, cool. Northampton and Leicester, you're going to be one team together yeah. and Welford Road's going to be where it's at. So Northampton fans, you know where to go when you want to Did go and watch your team. With... It's just not going to happen. Did they do this with Rugby League? Um, I don't know. I tell you what I did do this weekend on Friday. So we'll... Watch some Rugby League? Yeah. Well, we'll come back to... Um, we'll come back to... Saracens and Ospreys, because surely we can't leave it there. No. But um, on, I was flicking between Leicester and Leeds versus Lee Leopards, who have had a new rebrand. And it was a belting game. I mean, there's something about Rugby League which is just so pure. They kept on kicking the ball to this Leeds winger who kept on dropping it. And every time he dropped it, like, you get a bit of stick in Rugby Union for dropping a ball. God, it sounded horrendous. It sounded horrendous. The crowd were all over him. Um, it, it, it was just so much fun. And not only was it so much fun, none of the production values have been updated on Super League since, well, since I started watching it like 15 years ago. And I appreciate that. You know, if it's not broken, don't fix Steve-o it. Steve-O there? Steve-O was not there. Brian oh. Carney was uh, uh, on, on, on the mics. And is Eddie Hemming still about? I can't remember. Definitely Brian Carney. And they have, have some they- Australian girl. Have they have they still got the um, the mechanical arm for the scoreboard? They- I I didn't watch it for long enough to see the mechanical arm. Um, yeah, I, I think they're still maintaining the mechanical arms um, up and down the league. Rugby league, yeah. rugby league have completely ballsed up a golden opportunity to be the form of rugby that goes around the world because yeah. the simplicity of get the game, like such if, a great game. It's it is a it is a great sport. I actually think it's a little bit like you. It's a bit like watching basketball for me, where it's kind of it's all the same, and yeah, it's all when it's all action, then you don't have the the light and the shade. You know the, yeah, the light I know and exactly the shade. But like a fourth quarter game, isn't it? it all happens yeah. in the last ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also I I struggle to take my eyes off things like. You know, in this game, there's like a row of tents. I don't know what the row of tents were there for. <laughs> you know, and like, there's concession stands. And like, Decathlon walk- had a stall, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there's a guy walking his dog and whatnot. So, yeah, it, there's, there's lots of things that go on. Was it at Lee, then? Yes, it oh, was. Oh, brilliant. It, it wasn't at Leeds. <laughs> Lee Leopards. The Lee Sports Lee ground. Welcome to oh, Lee. <laughs> Lee Leopards. Oh, I love they, it. They played very well. Yeah. It's good. Anyway, Go on. JB, if you're getting distracted by the tents on the side of the pitch, did you see what was on the side of the pitch in Durban, the Sharks versus Munster? Or was it? Yeah, it was in Durban. No, I didn't see any of the South African games, unfortunately. So in Durban, they had water slides on the side of the pitch. That's outrageous. That's outrageous. That shouldn't be allowed to happen. I, there was a little phase, I don't know, when 
it, you know, when Super Rugby was kind of in its pomp and everyone thought it, it was just going to carry on growing and the you know the future's going to be rosy. And they used to do like really weird, um, uh, like uh, tacky novelty things. Like they'd have the HSBC sofa, so you and you can make a crack open a can. Oh, when I was on the XFM breakfast show, Sale Sharks came and went here. You can give away uh, for games. We're gonna have a corner of the ground where we'll have a big sofa and stuff, and you can give give away. We'll have you know serve drinks and stuff. So I gave that away as a prize oh, yeah. a few times. It was it, it, it was so of its time. Though, wasn't Come it? to the empty AJ Bell and uh, sit on a sofa in the corner. No, you must have done in that for. Oh no, it was. The Stockport, it was, it was at the Stockport ground, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It was at the Stockport uh, ground. Like, they had hot tubs. You could have you and five of your mates filmed in a stadium in a hot tub. Uh, there's the other one, and it's an Australian one. They had a, a sofa on a runner. So, yeah. like, you'd sit on your sofa <laughs> <laughs> down the field. Uh, there's loads of them, yeah. Very, it was very, like, men behaving badly, wasn't it? Have a few, have a few tinnies on your sofa. When you're allowed to talk in such ways. Oh God, no! It'd just be, be misogynist hell now. Uh, you're right about. Um, I thought the scoreline was a bit harsh on Ospreys, um, and they uh, honestly, 50 minutes into the game, I was thinking, this is it. This is they, they're going to do it. Yeah. So I caught up with this game in the second half. So I didn't see the good stuff the Ospreys did. I will just say this: the more I watch Saracens, the more I love Nick Tompkins, the more I love Ben Earl, and I am not entirely sure they're not brothers or closely related. <laughs> <laughs> they're uh, yeah, amazing players they're very good well in, in terms of explosive players Ben Earl had a had an equal in this game Kieran Williams my goodness me he's all fast twitch yeah he's ace uh, he was, he's just a bundle of energy but you're right Ben Earl is in a, at club level and I don't has he been given enough opportunities in an England shirt to know if he can translate it? I'm sure he can. I, I just can't imagine anyone can be this good and not be able to translate it. Nick Tompkins as well. I mean, like, the difference between the two is, um, like, Ben Earl uses all of his guy on his speed and strength to avoid contact, and Nick Tompkins uses all of his guy on his speed and strength to find contact. And the way he hits people running into them is just... He's just a savage. They're both absolute savages. And they could they could quite comfortably switch positions and no one would notice. Mm. Well, except yeah. for one runs into contact although I, I, I said this it. the other week um, in fact I might, I might have even said this last week it's odd that Makova Napola at international level looks pedestri- looked pedestrian during the Six Nations mm. but he's been awesome the last two weeks yeah he really, he really so, pulled his socks up this week does that does that mean, does that speak to the lack of space time no, that, think, that you get and there is there is a massive chasm I think it speaks to his age I think when you get older you get less frequently good. Like, I think when you're a younger man and you're Mako and you can play like that every single week, that's when you should be an international. At the or, moment, he could be an international every sort of, I don't know, three out of five or, games. Or is it that that's the difference between him in an England shirt and him in a Saracen shirt? Not in terms of the quality, but in terms of the, the system and, and stuff. Could well be. Because yeah, that's one of the things I was thinking when I was stood watching Leinster. I was trying to go, are these individuals all incredible or are they very, very good, as other teams have very, very good players, but they're operating within a system which is incredible? Well, there is always an element of contractual stability, definitely. And also, what is it about the old guys isn't necessarily always true, because some of the best teams... I mean, some of the best teams ever to play the game have been winning European Cups. They're not international teams. They're teams like the Toulon team and the Toulouse team that require lots of guys in their mid-30s who are absolute professionals to win it. And I'm sure those teams could win more Cups, so... Maybe ignore what I said about Mako. Yeah, they're, they're, those teams are incredibly consistent when you think about those teams. Yeah, they are. They? They just, 
keep churning out above way above average performances. Yeah. Yeah, that Toulon team actually. Like they were ancient. Yeah. Uh Juan Smith, Danny Rousseau. Danny Rousseau was an animal. Um back it was back his both they're yeah. talking about. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it you know, they had two thirty seven or thirty eight year olds into Corey and somebody else as well as Jerome Kano when Toulouse won their European Cup not so long ago. Yeah. Yeah, Fernandez Lobby in the, in that earth. Fernandez Lobby, team. that's another one, yeah. Great shout. Yeah. Uh Carl Heyman. Yeah, loads of well. loads of old boys. Well, and that's before you get to um Matt Gitto and Johnny Wilkinson. So yes. one year Matt Gitto wins the Heineken Cup at did he play twelve or ten? I I think he played I think I think Wilkinson won it twice with Gitto at twelve and then Gitto moved to ten for the third one because Wilkinson retired. So I don't think you're one. right. Oh no, because Gitto's only just retired, hasn't he? So he would have been there. He moved on. So I think Wilkinson played twelve for some reason and Gitto played ten. Uh we'll have to, we'll have to, I, I I think Wilkinson only won two. I think he retired for the third one. Yeah, I think maybe you're right. But right. I, I think Gitto won three. Hmm, interesting. You'll have to find out. I think we. I think I might have just stumbled into your 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 future relationship with Rugby JB should just be watching all games. Oh, watching all games, <laughs> sticking in the past. Yeah, because <laughs> you're so happy and animated talking about the the, the better, better in the olden days, the, Tim. The, yeah, but exactly. It's 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 nice to see you. You you were like oh lit up going oh Danny Rousseau and who's that player and your knowledge is awesome, mate. Yeah, wasted now though. I don't know anything about <laughs> belly tackles. It, so it, it was. I just looked up. 2013, Wilkinson at 10, Gitto at 12. 2014, Wilkinson at 10, Gitto at 12. 2015, Gitto at 10, who played 12? Uh, Bastero. Oh no, because he went Bastero. there afterwards. Because he wasn't. Ugh. We're talking about he went there at the end. I'm going to um, go on flyer. Well, Bastro was Bastro, sorry, Tim. Bastro did play thirteen in uh, twenty. So it could be Nonu, but I'm going to say it was the French lad that then went to Newcastle. I forget his name. Oh, Maxime Moz. Yes. <laughs> no, it was not oh. Moz. Not not a French lad. It's not. Hmm. Uh, not. Uh, it's not like. Uh, I can't. 2015 Toulon team. 2015. The team Toulon that beat 12. Saracens, right? Uh, this was actually against Claremont. They beat Saracens the previous oh, year. Oh, yes, that's right. This was against Claremont in 2015. Right. Shall I give you a clue? So, it's, so it isn't... Um, no clues! It isn't Nonu. <laughs> uh, it's not Nonu. No. Not Nonu. I have not, no idea. Not a French guy. Not French? Oh, I've got no idea. Go on, give us a small clue. Okay. Uh, according to some, he's the best 10 of all time. Oh, it was... Uh, what's his face? Juan Martin Hernandez. Oh, Correct. well done. <laughs> according to some. <laughs> according to one. <laughs> the best 10 of all time. There he is, playing 12. <laughs> oh, there you go. 
Excellent. And in that, it was Herbana was in that final back line, wasn't it? Wasn't he in 2015? He because he won one. He was. He was Habana. Other, do you know the other back three? The other two members. Uh, Vasson Claire. Nope. Um, he was a Toulouse. Did he go to yeah he, Toulon as well? I'm sure, he moved like in his last year. Um, oh, there, there's a French guy, obviously front. Um, uh, not Josh Chuasova. Nope, no. not Chuasova. Uh, Go on, give us another little clue. I think JB has interviewed the winger. Oh, of course it is. It's, oh, it's uh, uh, what's his face? The just, um, Drew Mitchell. Drew Mitchell, yeah. Drew Mitchell. Yeah, um, he catches he catches the crossfield kick from Gittel. Or it's like a little grubber which bounces over someone's head. And the fifteen was kicking sticks. The fifteen scored uh, twelve fourteen points. Lee Halfpenny. No, I don't think correct. It was. Oh, was it? There you go. I was going to say I thought it was a year afterwards. Yeah, very good. Nice. Lee Halfpenny. Oh, there was a. Um, it's not actually a very exciting back three. That there's a, there's a, there's a YouTube guy who just takes old uh, rugby clips and puts them together. Andrew Ford, I think it is. Yeah, and it's like uh, follow that with him on, on Twitter. Sorry, follow that with him on Twitter. Oh, have you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he, uh, he he put together this compilation of um, gr- uh, moments in in interviews, and it was like the. Uh, three cheers for Sorelli Bombo. That one, that one for example. And he put, he put the one where, where I handed Mamuka Gorgodza the man of the match trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Asked him a question in English, and he just goes, uh? and I put the microphone to Lee Halfpenny, who just repeats my question but slower. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Ford put a video up the other day, and it was mega. And I can't remember what it was. It was like it was a. It was it's like a second rate back row who I really rated. Like, so maybe not a top level back row, but someone like slightly below that who I really rated. I can't remember who it was. It's gonna bug me now. Mm. But he puts up some really good videos of like not obscure players, but the next level down. So like Ben Earl videos, effectively. Yeah, I was on Ben Earl at the minute. Is that next level down? There's 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 no one this weekend that is not. Well, he's on the international radar, but he doesn't look like at this point. I he's don't not think he's. I don't he? think he's making the World Cup. No. Um, and the way he played, he's just immense. Who the hell was it? Very upset by this. I can't remember. Never mind. Max Malins is good at rugby as well, isn't he? Mako Vanapola is very good at rugby. Um, I like. Uh, oh, I like, by the way, Duncan. Um, what's his face? Help me out here, Duncan Taylor. Taylor just knows when to do things. That was ace. He had two. But, uh, that intercept. Two touches of the ball, one intercept, one one steal. At that point, he's won the game for Saracen with yeah. two touches. I was kind of glad that Saracen scored again because I would hate, I would hate, had they lost by seven, let's say, to have been the lad who yeah. threw that quick line out straight to Duncan Taylor. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that lad was Reese Webb. It, it was. was. Reese Webb. Yeah. I'd have hated to have been Reese Webb. Although... I'd love to have been Reese Webb. Have you seen the rig on that guy? He's in good shape. He's an he? incredible. So he needs to get loads of jipping whales for being fat. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think I, he's 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 big set, isn't he? And like, yeah. To me, he looks um, very muscular. Yeah. But you can see with that frame, can't you? It only takes a few kgs here and there before mm. you become Ricky January. He's got a cross. He's got. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a CrossFit rig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Repenny Thal Thal. He's in great shape. <laughs> when I was just What's like, Repenny Thalthau doing now? I've got no idea, but I'll, I'll tell you this much. When I was in South Africa for the Lions, 
This was the one where uh, Schalkberger gouged Luke McGraw. Is that right? Uh, was it Luke McGraw? Yeah, I think it was Luke yeah, McGraw. Luke McGraw, right? So that was no, not Luke McGraw. He's the nine for Leinster now. Yes. Luke uh, the Fitzgerald. Luke Fitzgerald, right. Yeah, that's him. Um, I, I read the South African papers every morning, and there's a write-up of Ricky January saying, something along the lines of, he couldn't catch the ball even if it was kicked down his throat. But I guarantee he um, he would catch a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. I was like, they can't write that. <laughs> That's brutal. It is brutal. They hated him. Like the South African rugby writing press. They're like, no, they're like nothing nothing that, that we get over here. Hmm. Uh, Very what, good. What, what, what else? Haven't tigers. What about Tigers. Tigers, Friday Night Lights. So I, Jasper Visa running over Jamie Ritchie. I haven't seen Jamie Ritchie. Um, like, bearing in mind, he spent the last two months standing up physically to all comers. But got his head the wrong side on Visa and got monstered. Yeah. And it, this this game, it's um, it's a good win for Tigers. It was, it's probably the least um, attacking rugby of the whole weekend um, in this game. A few penalties from both sides and one try from Jasper Vista after he was benched and then brought on as an impact player. Mm. But this this was um this was a very interesting game I found despite all all of that because Leicester they they're not the team that they were last year. We've seen that in the league, although their their very current form is is improving enough to put them into the top mm. um, top four. And Edinburgh, so you look at that Edinburgh team that is a legitimate international pack good isn't it and it is good it is a legitimate properly legitimate international back three it's one of the best um club back threes anywhere in the world it's absolutely outrageous Dorsey and yeah Dorsey Graham had a tough old day though he did and he's been out for a while he's been injured but Befeli and Van der Merwe are two of the form um outside backs in the world yeah they're both in, in Absolutely at the peak of their powers. So I thought Leicester had a tough ask, but impressive from this Leicester team to do enough to to grind it out. Yeah, I thought Leicester were very impressive, actually. Um, very, very physical, as you'd expect. Uh, I think they've just got a nice identity. They make a lot about their history and their past identity. Uh, and it's very hard to repeat that because their past identity was built on basically having the best pack of forwards in the world for a lot for. Yeah. A long, long time. Um, these guys look like they might be suitable candidates to replace them, and that's a really hard thing to say, bearing in mind the con- financial constraints that they have when building this team. But yeah, they, they look great. Mm. Hard boys. It, yes, Ollie Cracknell is a Tigers player through and through. Mm. Big fan of Cracknell. Yeah, yeah, me too. Big fan. Of, I mean, that that back row is ace. The second row are young, but work incredibly hard and big and physical. So I, I've, I've got a lot. There's a lot to like about that um, that Tigers team. Yeah, I, I think Edinburgh should be disappointed. That's the other thing. Like, yeah, you look agreed. at their back row. You know, you look at all the talent they've got. Again, Edinburgh are just a team that continually fail to launch over and over again. And it's not like they don't have the talent or the backing. They they have both now. Yeah. Agreed. They have got. They've definitely got the talent um, to do it. that. That um, 
that pack is monstrous. So fair, fair play to Leicester on, so, in this. <laughs> so we've had what have we had? To, we've had historically, Jay, um, what's his name? Mem's an author. Uh, Nick Kennedy. Nick Kennedy's Mem's an author. We've had Dad's Marine. What does <clears> um, <throat> what does Henry Pagos's brother do? He is. A, this is going to blow your mind. This he, is going to blow your mind. You will never get this in a million. He lives years. in a lighthouse. Right. Okay. That's good. Get your conspiratorial <clears throat> head on. Who? Who would? Who is the? Who are the worst people in the world? Um. Uh, cent- central bankers. So close. So close. Keep going. Uh, Worse than that. Control these. These guys control the central bankers allegedly. He works for WEF. Correct. He, <laughs> he, he delivers seminars for the Young Leadership Programme of the World Economic Forum. No way. Way. He's an economist by trading, uh, by training, and I played rugby with him. He, he used to be a prop. I bet he earns more than his brother. I would say so. I'd say, don't worry, his, um, his, his brother's safe in the, in the, in the, in the next pandemic. That's, yeah. Uh, that's, that's for sure. Oh, well, if you need to get a number for or a little email intro to Klaus, then you know where to go now. <laughs> I will just add, uh, I won't say his first name, but um, Henry's brother is a wonderful lad. I had many, many good game in, in the second team. Uh, I think that was his second row. Yeah, so nice. Yeah, and now he's working to destroy my life. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Uh, uh, Quinn, Qu- Quinn's got absolutely pumped. They don't deserve a, ch- a chat because they just. I mean, they, they they did a very Quincy thing, and when the game was beyond reach, they made they made the scoreline look make it look competitive. It's the sort of scoreline you go, oh, I want to go and watch that. But no, they got they got they got smashed, and they they scored three tries in the last two minutes, uh, three minutes, yeah. yeah, and still couldn't win the game because yeah. they were that far away. Yeah. Uh, notable mentions in this game. I, I thought the Quins were so; they just did not look like Quins. They they couldn't retain the ball. Their passing was all static. There's very few good things. Um, only positive for Quins really. Their scrum held up well against a, a truly international um, South African pack. Uh, and I thought Dion Faree, who at 36, he scored two tries and got. Uncountable turnovers. I thought he was absolutely excellent. So, um, and also um, the, the the atmosphere in the stadium looked awesome in Cape Town. It looked it was absolutely bounce. It was packed and bouncing. So I'm sure I'm sure Quinn's had a good um, good um, relax and a drink on Long Street um, afterwards to to. Um, Drown their sorrows of going out in the Champions Cup. And if I heard this right, Tim, you might know better because you've got um, stack packs for the weekend, BT Sports stack packs. But I, I'm sure I overheard in comms, Quinns have never won a European knockout game. Am I right? Really? Did I get that right. I'm so, sure it was. It, no, it they, be... they, the Botica Bowl was a quarterfinal, so they wouldn't have played before that because there was no round of 16 back there was then. No 16s. Um, wow! And it might be it might be they've never played a top level final, but I'm, it, I just like kind of it went past me, and I was like, "Hang on, did I just did I just hear that right, or have I just missed something?" Because mm. they've obviously so, won the Challenge Cup, before, yeah, but so it must Champions be top Cup 
must be top level. But mm. it, it might not even be right. I just and it, and it, it might potentially be in the era since it's become the Champions Cup, when it became the Champions Cup since, yeah, since the Heineken been... Cup. Who knows? Who knows? Um, just one comment from me. Um, the South Africans coming into the European Cup, I know you had your reservations, I'm still not sold. It does seem to have done wrong with the good things for South African rugby, though. Particularly the domestic teams. Like <clears throat> Phil's just saying, sounds like a good like a good atmosphere. I remember, oh, who was it? Uh, the prop play for sale, black fella, bit of a character. Oh, uh, had his Brian Majority. Brian Majority. I remember Brian Majority on Twitter back in the day, pointing out that why would you waste your career dressing up as a super superhero in these empty stadiums? And South African rugby was on its arse. Having won the URC and looking at these European results, some of the crowds that they're drawing in, and some of the squads that they're assembling, more importantly, you, know, mm. you can kind of see it catching fire. I mean, that's if South Africa as a country wasn't an absolute hellhole, um, which it is turning into at the moment. But, you know, the rugby-wise, this seems to have work, worked for them. Uh, one thing I do think it has worked, I think it's worked for the, the URC teams because they're getting... I think the, the Premiership is slipping back and the URC is is moving ahead and that's not because of well, the top 14 is obviously ahead of them all maybe that's what we should do a top 14 if you want to do a top 14 podcast that's exactly that. what I'm thinking of doing um, anyway um, the the URC is, is is moving ahead and I think it's because rather than we always used to take the mick, uh, the, the mick out of the games the quality of the teams and stuff that you play and oh, you Leinster sending their third team to the Dragons to spank them but actually you've got real proper games now yeah, well, steel sharp and steel. That whole that is mantra. true. And well, and thankfully the dragons were about this weekend to remind us they are still the dragons. <laughs> uh, they weren't about to give up that mantle too easily. Yeah. Thirty-three points to seventy something. Yeah, the challenge cup wasn't wasn't great from that point of view. I, I was at Bristol and they they were bad. They they were poor. They'll be really disappointed. Oh well, that they. Uh, oh well, happens. Blew, um, it, blew it. But um, what's his face? Anthony Bello was ace. For Claremont. And Damien Pano is ridiculous. He is ridiculous. Last one is, of course, Munster got absolutely spanked. Yeah. And yeah, they, Munster did well. So I watched this. Munster did well until half-time. Uh, it, was, it was two tries all up until half-time. And then Sharks ran away with it. Pretty tasty um, Pretty tasty pack that the Sharks have there. The, the Sharks... Pack is ridiculous. ridiculous, and that 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 was what really softened. So Munster did very well. They were they, uh, yeah. defended manfully, and attacked. They scored a couple of good tries in the first half. Um, but I think it was, I think it was two Bongi and Manambi tries shortly after the break, uh, and then the floodgates kind of opened. Yeah. And Munster with Munster, their, yeah, Munster with their two um, impersonation South South African second rows against the Sharks, legitimate ones, yeah. M- Mun- yeah, yeah, Munster. I, I look at Munster now, and I think they're like Ulster were a few years ago. I remember it was when, when I was at the uh, Aviva. I was looking at players, and and you go, and oh, these these what were young Ulstermen are now like proper rugby players. Mm. James Hume, Jacob Stockdale, Michael Lowry, um, Tom O'Toole. Like, oh, these are proper rugby players now, whereas they were just kind of promising youngsters a few years ago. It feels like Munster are currently a load of promising youngsters that I'm sure Graham Roundtree will. Whip into shape over the next couple of years. They'll yeah, get. Well, they'll get better. This, uh, this, this. I think this Fakatoa guy has got a bit. Got got a bit of a future. <laughs> yeah, promising young Irishman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll do all right. He'll, he'll do, do all right. right. 
so uh, let's just quickly then preview the quarterfinals before we... By the way, that might be my favourite matchup of two players I've ever seen. What's that? Rohan Janzi van Rensburg against yeah. Malachi Fekatoa. Le- yeah. Legitimately two of my favourite current players. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty exciting. It didn't it didn't amount to much which, in, in all honesty. Which version um, of, of Rohan have we are we currently working with? Um so he didn't do much in the game, but he looked in better nick. Was than it the Lions or the Sale uh, version of closer to the Lions version? Closer to the Lions, but not full Lions. Yeah. Sadly. One ten rather than one thirty kgs. Rather than, yeah, rather yes. than the one forty kgs it was a sale. <laughs> Yeah, big boy. Yeah, yeah, big boy. Put it that way. Um, just on, just on the, the we're going to do the um, uh, previews of next week. Now, I do like this. We've, I, I've spoken about this. We've all spoke about this in the past. I do like having continuous weekends of the same competition, so you know what's coming up next. Yeah, mm. I wish, I wish we could just sort out the formatting so you have discrete. Here's a domestic. Here's a European. Here's an international window. So you get the narratives, the storylines continue, the threads flow from week to week to week. And just to emphasise that point, uh, email here, contacttedchasers at gmail.com from, I'm sorry, I can't tell the name of whoever it was. It doesn't matter. Um, Wiggy, thank you. Oh, it's Wiggy, thank you. Uh, It says, um, I live in Chester. I go to an occasional sale home game. I was looking at fixtures to see if seeing if there was one I could go to before the end of the season. I think sales last home game was on the 5th of March and their next one and of the season is not until the 6th of May. Surely that needs sorting out as otherwise I I can see a risk that the number of season ticket holders will reduce purely because of the momentum and routine of going to a home game every other week cannot be guaranteed. Um, so he's thinking about going to Warrington Wolves or Salford City Reds or maybe even Coldy. Coldy, uh, yeah. So it's a good point, and, and it would be solved by what you're saying. It's like, here's a block of premiership games, you know where you're at, you know what you're doing. It is odd, because if you're not in certain competitions or you don't get the seeding, as in the case of Sale, you could go for as much as... Maybe, I haven't checked whether that's accurate, but a couple of months without a home game yeah. within yeah. the season. Yeah, especially with the bye weeks now as well. Like, uh, do you know that could be because they might have had wasps or Worcester as well? Yeah, I'm sure it will be as a consequence of that. Yeah, but it's it is it's still two months. But having like, but, but you're right, having games, which just for cash flow. Yeah, as well, having yeah, exactly. Having like, here we go. We have got two block of two weeks of uh, Champions Cup, and then we'll come back for two weeks of Premiership. Then we'll go back to the semi-finals of the Champions Cup. Then we'll have the semi-finals of the Premiership. Then we'll have the final of the Champions Cup, then we'll have the final of the Premiership. It's just a bit odd. So I'm with you, Phil. Yeah. I'm with you. Anyway, next next week's fixtures. Yes. So, and, oh, we, we've we not mentioned it yet, but all, we we said last week an accumulator for all home wins does look quite tasty. You said it, Tim. Yeah. It would have been very tasty had yeah, you put I it Yeah, I know. On. I thought that today. Well, I can't bet anyway, but I did think, I wonder if anyone went for that because that was... Uh, that paid off. I'm sure that would have paid off quite handsomely. Yes, definitely. Uh, do we think it will be the same this time? I think it's a lot harder to, to call on this one in, in the case of two of the fixtures. Anyway, I think two of them, well, one of them will be a home win and that's Leinster versus Leicester to get the weekend underway. I tend, I tend to agree. No, I strongly agree, but I just, Leicester are a good team. So they, they won't make it easy, but Leinster are too good. 
Leinster are definitely too good home win. Yeah, I mean they they met at this stage at Welford Road last season, and Leicester would have felt unlucky. Uh, since then, they've lost George Ford. Uh, we've got Andre Pollard, mind you, Ellis Genge. So they're not in a bad place, and they could cause them problems. But just this this Leinster team, you mentioned JB earlier. They feel like they've forgotten how to win the trophy. It feels like they are more focused than I've ever seen them on, and they've learnt lessons. Yeah. Much as you said, um, La Rochelle learnt their lessons. Semi final, beaten finalists. Toulon did the same. Saracens did the same. Feels like Leinster have gone through that cycle again. I don't expect them yeah. to make a mistake this time. Mm. Well, I don't expect them to, but I think they will. I think they will. And, you know, it, this is actually a fairly bad bad weekend for Leinster because all the big boys made it through. I thought one of them might might fall, mm. but they're all through. Toulouse, La Rochelle, and uh, Leinster, and actually, you know, and the Sharks had. Sharks and Saracens, yeah. There's, there, you know, all the good, all the teams they wouldn't want to play. Well, are in the mix now. Well, the next, the next game, Toulouse versus the Sharks. That is, I, I, I don't see anyone getting past Toulouse at home. Mm. I think asking the Sharks to travel and perform is a tough one, but just the names on that on those team sheets next weekend is going to be something else. Mm. And Sharks have one extra day. Not, not that I think it'll count for an enormous amount, but they have got one extra day, but they've also got to travel uh, 8,000 miles or whatever it is, whatever it is uh, to get there. So uh, I'm going to lose. I'm going two home wins so far. Yeah. Can't see, I can't see past to lose. To lose, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to watching that yes. game uh, Look, Look, all the big teams are winning. Well, the next one, who is the big team? Exeter hosts the Stormers. Mm. This is winnable for Exeter. It is winnable. It is. This this is the best fixture for Exeter. Come on. I want the people of Exeter to show up and fill that stadium. That, that is a proper European tie. This is what you wanted. You, you've, you've... <laughs> a proper European tie yeah. with a South African team. <laughs> proper Heineken Cup tie. Heineken Cup yes. tie. Thank you. It's, yes. This is yeah. a real occasion, right? <clears throat> uh, you built your stadium... You've got a hell of a club. You should go down and, and watch this game. Yeah, It'll make all the difference. Go and watch Exeter. Go and support the Chiefs. And wear your headdress as well. <laughs> as you said that, I've got the Tribe app up. And as I mentioned last time, the old logo is still on the Tribe app. Yes, perfect. Uh, um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go for a home win. Yeah, home win. Exeter in the semis. Can you imagine... With the, with the season they've had and the troubles they've got and the players they're losing, Can't yeah, on <laughs> one one last hurrah, and then the final uh, fixture of the four is La Rochelle hosting Saracens. La Rochelle host. I think Saracens will do them. I said all the big teams. I think Saracens will do them. I have got faith in Saracens. I just think they're going to. I don't know. I, there's something about watching Nick Tompkins and Ben Earl run at people all day long, and. And then you can combine it with the silkiness of Malins, the the unflappable silkiness. Yeah, I like Saracens for this. Why not? And the grit of Faz. No. Oh, Ronan O'Gara, it would love Owen Farrell as he fly half. Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Well, he signed Jack Knoll. He's um, they want he, Ronan O'Gara. Is that official now? Is it? Uh, I thought that was. I've not heard of that. Is Jack Knoll not going to La Rochelle? You heard that, Phil? 
You heard it here first. It's confirmed. I don't. I don't think it is. It's conf- Exeter confirmed he's departing. Oh, okay. Oh well, maybe it might just be a rumor. Breaking maybe news, eh? Breaking BT not. Sport confidentiality. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm going on what I just heard in the ether. So um, maybe he's not anyway. But well, um, no, no, it is. It is. Uh, well, the Telegraph have reported he's signed for yeah. La Rochelle. There you go. There you go. You're off the hook. Um, I can see Saracens winning. I think La Rochelle will win. Although they're going to be better. Yeah, same. It's Saracens can do it, but Saracens when they they I know their bench did well for them this week, but they were playing Ospreys, whose bench did not do well for them. Yeah, um, switch Will Skelton team from one team to the other, and Saracens beat them. But it's just that that the size of that pack. Yeah, I I think it will be tough for Saracens, but if anyone can do it, maybe they can. Oh, I'd maybe love to, I'd love to be there for that. The atmosphere—that's one of those grounds. Yeah. This is why you've got to re- retain your love of rugby. JB is stadiums like Toulouse and La Rochelle. You've got—you've just got to go there and soak that up. It's something else. Uh, the only thing, the only thing, which I will continue to enjoy is sitting in my basement with you two, and and that's pretty much—that's pretty <laughs> much it. And uh, JB, don't forget the um, tax-free trips to Europe where we basically drink fine wines and uh, eat oysters. That and, is true. Not tax-free. Oh, yeah, tax-deductible. Tax-deductible. <laughs> yes. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's not all tax-deductible, of course. Um, not all. Not quite all of it. What was the delightful drink that we uh, discovered is a Malaga special over oh, it's like, Was it vermouth? It's like a, it's, yeah, it's like a vermouth martini type thing. It's very, it's like like a cold, almost like a syrup, but yeah. very, very strong. As we, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this when you talked about this in the first place. But did people in Spain drink red wine with Coke? Because that's like the football drink. Like like our football fans go and have a lager. Spanish football fans have red wine with Coke. I don't remember having red wine with Coke. No, no. no. I, I, I'll, I'll happily try it though. Happily try. We might have been drinking it, but I certainly wasn't aware of it. No, no. Malaga was brilliant, you yeah. mm. Absolutely awesome. Brilliant. I, 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 I really hope Spain. Uh, oh, they won't this year because the World Cup. Not that Spain are in it, but um, and they might do. They might have a tier two uh, November. I, I'd I'm love to go back in November. I, th- awesome. I think I've, I've think I mentioned it to, to your part. I've put in my um, requests for World Cup. Um, tickets. I'm basically I'm spending seven weeks in France. Super, yeah, super. Tell you what, the it's wo- cool because it's Thursday to Sunday. You can just fly back and forth. I, I, the worst, the worst rugby watching I've ever done in my life was Japan. Like I did not see a single second of constructive rugby. Like trying to podcast about because of time difference and the drinking, and also I can't understand the language. So like. I turn on the TV to watch some rugby highlights. I don't know. I could be watching Top Gear. I, I have no idea what that, <laughs> like what that says. And the final nail in the coffin was picking up your phone to look at the Twitter highlights, and it all been blocked out because you don't have the right licenses for the accounts that you won't like follow. So I could watch no rugby in in Japan except for when I went to the games. And as Phil will tell you. We didn't do much rugby watching in no the uh, the the podcast during the, the it's, it's it, remarkable the quality of podcasting that we managed to do during the 2019 World Cup given that a lot of it was with you two half cut uh, it was quite <laughs> remarkable I think with the, if you're you're more sensible than us if you're if you're in France 
and we're holding the fort here, we've probably got a much better mm. chance of doing it. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be working. That's my plan anyway. Oh, yeah, if you're working. It's like build it and they will come. I'm, I'm, I'm basically have decided I'm going and now I'm telling people, I'm there, can I work for you? Yeah, and actually, you're, that and, way and actually you're really good at hiding your drink during, during, during working days, so you should be <laughs> you should be fine. Yeah, there was a, there was a fella today actually. You know how um, on on BT Sport when they do the coverage, quite often you have people in the bar afterwards and they're stood behind and you know mm. they, you always have one guy behind who's just like pulling a face or something. Yeah, there was one guy I really appreciated today. He was great. He didn't he didn't do that pulling stupid faces at the camera. He just he was over Brian O'Driscoll's shoulder. And he just very smoothly sank a big pint of Guinness. <laughs> nice. <laughs> very, very nice pint it was. It's good. Drink uh, responsibility. Awesome. Probably Guinness Zero. Yeah. Drink responsibility. Quite. Right, wrap this right, up. Right, yeah, let's wrap well. this up. Right, uh, contact eggchasers at gmail.com. Uh, support the podcast at patreon.com slash eggchasers. Um, tell JB you love him. Or send... Not, the- not on Twitter. Yeah. Or send in your CV to replace me. <laughs> Tell me why you enjoy the belly tackle. You can sit in my chair. <laughs> uh, nice one, Phil. Thank you very much, boys. Nice one, JB. Bye bye. Let the boys play. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.